Hey, welcome back to the Strong Her Way to Eat, Move, and Live. Here we talk all things food freedom, fitness, and life transformation, helping you heal your relationship to food, exercise, your body, and yourself. I hope your week is off to a fantastic start. Mine is going pretty good so far, but if I'm being completely honest, I am definitely ready for some warmer weather. It's been pretty cold here uh, for this time of year and definitely a little bit rainier than I would like to see. So this week we are going to be chatting about a topic that comes up often for my clients and that is food guilt. Now there are really two ways that I see this showing up and wanted to dive a little bit deeper into each uh, to help you understand why it shows up and then of course how you can move through it. So the first way that I see food guilt showing up is when we are thinking of foods in a moral way, as in quote unquote good foods or bad foods. We then feel good about ourselves, of course, when we're eating good, we're doing good, and all of that kind of stuff. But then we have a tendency to feel super guilty, to feel bad about ourselves, and beat ourselves up for eating bad, right, or going off the plan. Now, I know that I have talked about food morality before on other episodes, but it bears worth repeating again today that there are no good or bad foods. I want you to really just challenge yourself to think about food as just food. Now, I can hear some of you right now saying that you don't agree with that, but I want you to just kind of hear me out. And that's why I said to maybe challenge yourself to think about it in this way. What you eat does not determine your character or your morality, right? So even in the Bible, it says that all foods have been made clean and can be good for eating. So a lot of this fear around food, around especially like these bad foods, really does come from the diet mentality, the diet industry, and those kinds of things. Now, of course, I'm not saying that all foods are going to contribute to your overall health and well-being in the same way right? Simply that food is just food. It's neutral. There are no good or bad foods and neither are you for eating specific foods. So when we are thinking about food from a neutral place, it really helps instead of going to that black or white, that good or bad to just think about food on a spectrum instead, right? So maybe we have the more processed foods, kind of those treat foods, maybe foods that we don't want to eat a ton of on one end. And then we have the less processed, more whole foods, maybe the foods that we're aiming to get more of on the other end. That doesn't mean that we have to be all on one side or all on the other. It's just recognizing that food exists on a spectrum and we get to kind of make those decisions. And I know for myself, as soon as I removed kind of that food morality, I was able to really think about the decisions that I was making around food and be more empowered in those decisions, right? It was like, even those like quote unquote bad foods or those off limit foods that I had for myself, I somehow always felt kind of controlled by them, right? It was like I could restrict them for a while. I could use willpower. I could kind of white knuckle it for a little bit. But then of course, when I gave in, when I had the bread or I had the cookies or whatever it was for me at the time, I felt really bad about myself. And I would either kind of go into this spiral of beating myself up and then just kind of keep eating more and more and more of that, or I would overcorrect and basically just try to get rid of all of those foods. 
you know, so again, teetering on those extremes. But once I removed that idea of good or bad foods, it really did help me just make powerful decisions around the foods that I actually wanted to eat based on how they tasted, how they felt in my body, and whether or not they were really in alignment with kind of this lifestyle that I wanted to be living or who I wanted to be showing up as. So this first kind of food guilt has us trying to make up for what we ate. And oftentimes this looks like over-exercising, maybe skipping meals, vowing never to do it again. Maybe you get super strict or rigid with yourself. Basically, you're kind of trying to atone for a food sin. This will often lead to you trying to simply use your willpower or white knuckling it, like I just shared, um, your way through your cravings or the urges to eat those quote unquote bad foods until really you just can't take it anymore, right? All of that pressure, all of that stress just kind of builds up and then we end up kind of caving. And oftentimes it's really hard to exercise any sort of self-control once you've gotten to that point, right? And then this looks like us beating ourselves up afterwards for eating those bad foods, right? And then we just kind of continue down that that pattern or that habit. Now, the other type of food guilt that shows up is perhaps the feeling of guilt, but maybe it feels a little bit more like disappointment or frustration of eating something or doing something, right? Acting in a way around food or exercise or really any area of your life that feels out of alignment or integrity with either your values, your goals, your priorities, or who you want to be showing up as in your life. Now, this kind of food guilt, I feel like you really can learn from if you allow yourself to and you don't spend too much time being hard on yourself for not being able to do it perfectly. Perfect was never the goal, right? And oftentimes that leads us either into procrastinating or trying to overcompensate and overcontrol everything. Now, I believe that this second kind of food guilt, and I'm just calling it guilt for lack of a better term, but this negative emotion, that disappointment, that frustration can be useful and serve as a powerful purpose in helping you understand why you did what you did, why you feel guilty or frustrated or disappointed, and then what you want to do next. Now, negative emotions aren't bad despite them being, you know, negative, right? We do tend to want to avoid feeling them. And so that's where we oftentimes can get ourselves into trouble because in the effort of trying not to feel the negative emotions, we oftentimes end up settling for the quick win, right? That um, instant gratification. So it feels good in the moment, but it might have some back-end consequences that we don't really like. So when we're experiencing these, quote, negative emotions, I like to think of those more as an indicator light on your dashboard. So this is really just an indicator telling you, hey, there's something going on. We need to like check the engine or check and see what's going on under the hood. This is maybe either that you're kind of believing a lie or maybe you're acting out of that integrity or out of congruency with yourself. Now, if you haven't yet gotten clear on your values, your priorities, your goals, and who you want to be in your life, you definitely want to spend a little bit of time there. This really does act as your compass or your North Star. It helps you make decisions. It helps inform the way that you're being, informing the way that you're showing up, as well as serving you by showing you when maybe you are kind of getting off track or you are going in a different direction. 
And that really is where I think that disappointment or that frustration comes from as long as we're not looking at food in this particular instance as a moral issue or even exercise, right? Sometimes we we feel like we're good or we're being good when we exercise and we follow the workout program to a T, but then if for whatever reason we have to stray or we get sick or we get hurt and we can't, then we feel bad, right? So it's like you just want to look at any behavior or any area of your life where you're looking at, at looking at it as a moral issue when it's not really one, right? So whether that's exercise, whether it's food, whether it's TV, social media, those things in and of themselves are not bad, but we just want to understand kind of why we're using them the way that we are. So the key here is to look at your behavior always through the lens of curiosity without that harsh judgment or beating yourself up because we can't learn from that place that actually closes us off from being able to learn. And oftentimes when we're coming at it from that judgmental place or we're beating ourselves up, it just perpetuates either more of the behavior that we weren't wanting to do or we go to that other extreme and we try to make up for it by engaging in other behaviors that maybe we don't necessarily want either, right? Or that have that back end consequence. So once you are at the place where all food is just food and it's neutral, it's so much easier to learn from yourself when that other kind of food guilt arises. You're going to be able to make more powerful decisions around food instead of always feeling like food is controlling you. So let's say you're at that place now, right? You see food as neutral. It's just food. There's no good foods. There's no bad foods. And you still kind of find yourself acting out of alignment with one of those key areas, either your values, your priorities, your goals, or how you want to be showing up in your life. But since you're not beating yourself up, right, because food is no longer this moral issue or exercise is no longer this moral issue for you, and you just want to be curious, you can use this tool that I've created. I call it the behavior triad, and this is really going to help you understand what's driving the behavior in the first place and then how you can begin to rewire that. So to help you understand why you did what you did or maybe why you keep doing it and you can change it, you first want to start with awareness. Now, oftentimes we start by gaining awareness after the fact, and then we move into this place where we can start to see the awareness in the moment. And then eventually after we've practiced looking for the awareness enough, we'll start to see it ahead of time. So this does take some time. It does take some practice. You can revisit episode 107 for two tools that can help you with this body scanning and what I call speed bumps. But you just want to become aware of your habits, your behaviors, your coping skills, the triggers, all of those things. So just, you know, for the sake of, um, oh my gosh, what's the word I'm thinking of? An illustration. Let's say that, your tendency or your habit of um, is emotional overeating or drinking. And your food of choice is either chips or cookies, right? So let's say you get home from a hard day's worth of work and you feel like you've been, you know, doing good or whatever throughout the day. But then as you start to relax, you pull out the bag of cookies and you just go to town, right? Maybe you sit down in front of the couch, you're watching Netflix and you get done with the bag of cookies. Maybe the intention was to only have like two or three. Instead, the bag is almost gone by the time you kind of snap out of it and you realize. This first step to changing that behavior is to just gain awareness, right? So you want to start by 
just awareness maybe in that moment and then slowly tracing it back throughout the day. Like what happened today? What's maybe happened this week that's kind of led to this place of me feeling like I needed to relieve some stress with the cookies or Netflix or just kind of check out. And then you want to, after you have the awareness about what kind of led you to that place, you want to understand. So why did you do what you did? What led up to that decision of grabbing the bag of cookies, turning on the TV, and just kind of checking out? How were you feeling? What were you thinking? What maybe were you really looking for instead of that temporary pleasure or that temporary um, kind of relief that the cookies and the Netflix brought? And then the last step of this behavior triad is rewiring. So that's your behavior, the thought, um, basically just kind of hacking that habit loop. And this is where you can substitute a new behavior when you notice those thoughts and those feelings coming up that led to the behavior that you wanted to change. In this case, it was checking out on the couch with the cookies and the Netflix, right? So once you have the awareness and you understand why you did what you did, you can then solve for it by choosing a different behavior that's going to actually take care of the root problem instead of the symptom, which was eating the cookies and checking out on Netflix, if that makes sense, right? So there are a couple of ways that this could look like, right? Maybe on one hand, you beat yourself up for eating the cookies because they're bad. I'm using those air quotes again. You feel super guilty and you either just keep eating or you throw the cookies in the trash and you vow to never do that again, except maybe secretly you kind of know that you will because that's been the habit, that's been the pattern, that's been the tendency. This just leads you to that same loop over and over and over again And you might eventually move on from the cookies, but oftentimes we just end up replacing the cookies in this example with something else, with something else that will just kind of provide that temporary relief. Or if we use the behavior triad, we really get to the root problem. You might get home after that stressful day. You grab the cookies, you plop on the couch, right? So we just kind of went through this other scenario where you're using that behavior triad. When we use the behavior triad, when we're looking at food as just food and we're coming at it from this neutral place, any time that we maybe act in a way that was sort of habitual or automatic or kind of out of alignment or integrity with our goals, our values, and how we want to be showing up, you're going to be able to just explore the behavior and solve for it at the root rather than trying to use more willpower or control or just trying harder next time, right? Those negative emotions in that second scenario when we're really getting the awareness, understanding, and then rewiring the behavior just act as an indicator for you that something about the way that you were showing up or behaving was kind of off or it just felt sort of out of tune or out of congruency with how you actually want to be showing up in your life. And because you weren't busy judging yourself, you could really take the time to learn from that particular experience and to learn from yourself to gain some insight, some wisdom, some perspective so that you can then make a decision and act differently the next time that that situation arises. So this really does put you in a position to choose differently next time without feeling like you're you're in that back and forth fight against with against yourself. So just to recap, there are really two kinds of food guilt that show up so often. One is not super useful. This is where we're looking at foods as good or bad, kind of assigning that moral um, gauge to it, right? This is oftentimes what leads us to either 
just doing more of the behavior that we don't want to be doing or by overcorrecting and going to the other extreme. The other one, though, can be extremely powerful and useful, right? So it's just using that negative emotion, the guilt or the disappointment or the frustration to learn from, right? And using that behavior triad, the awareness, the understanding, and then ultimately rewiring that habitual behavior. So that is what I have for you today. I hope that you found this helpful and that you will be putting it into practice. Remember, food is not a moral issue. It's just food. It's all neutral. This Just this alone will help you start to make different decisions around food. And then the next time you're eating and you start to feel maybe that disappointed feeling because you overate or you know, you emotionally ate again or whatever that is for you, instead of beating yourself up for it, just use it as an opportunity to learn and grow from yourself. So if you are ready to take the work here on this podcast and apply it directly to your own life, I can help with that. I know this is, it sounds so easy, sounds so simple in theory, But if you know yourself and you know that you tend to get in your own way, then this is where having a coach can be super helpful and will help you ultimately achieve your results so much faster than you ever could on your own. So if you are ready to get started on your own non-diet journey to create food freedom, fitness, and just a healthy lifestyle that is not full of restriction, not full of deprivation, but is something that you can truly do forever, then I want to invite you to email alicia at aliciacarlson.com to get started. Enjoy the rest of your week, my friend. Please share this episode with somebody who you know would benefit from this. And if we are not hanging out yet on social media, come and find me. I'll have the links in the show notes below. I'll talk to you again next week. Bye.